Are you feeling like there just isn't enough? Not enough time, not enough money? (laughs) Y'all, I made the mistake of Googling, what is there not enough of? And you know what came up? Gravity. Gravity. So here I am, freaking out that the Earth is going to shoot out of orbit or whatever because we don't have enough gravity. (laughs) Thank you, Internet, for that doom spiral. Lesson learned. Because here's the thing. I believe that I have enough time. I have enough resources to make magic. I have enough. You have enough. Together, we have enough. In this episode, I'm going to tell you how annoyed I was the first time that I learned about abundance mindset, how my research and experience with creativity got me to start to rethink things, and what to do when scarcity is real. Do you want to feel less scattered and more focused, but the idea of planning or goal setting sounds like adding more pressure to your already pressure-filled life? If that sounds like you... Welcome to the Plan Goal Plan Podcast. I'm Danielle McGue. I'm a professor, mom, and business owner. I started this podcast to help hardworking women and high-achieving mamas plan and set goals playfully and lightly. Unlike pressure-filled approaches, Plan Goal Plan centers on what delights you to help you envision all the possibilities your future holds. If you're ready to try easier, If you're ready to make memories and do meaningful work, grab a pen. I'm going to guide you through practices that will help you plan for clarity, set goals for direction, and act with purpose and delight. Let's get started. So seven, eight years ago, I was sitting in a professional development workshop, and I didn't know it at the time, but this workshop would be pretty life-altering for me. The people in the workshop would become dear friends, and the person leading the workshop would become a dear, dear mentor, life coach, um, spiritual guide to me. Um, His name is Chris Johnson, and he's with Prairie Oaks Institute, and he's absolutely lovely. He is amazing at listening, at being present, at holding space with you. But seven, eight years ago, when I was in this first workshop, I was feeling salty. I was salty, y'all. I'd been really struggling in my career and looking back at it and having the language that I do now, I know that I was experiencing all sorts of signs of burnout. I was really depleted. And I love teaching. I love teaching. and But everything else kind of felt like a struggle. It felt like an argument. Meetings felt really tense. I was constantly, I felt like I was constantly having to prove myself and that nothing I did was enough, enough to earn respect, enough to feel valued. And at the time, resources were also starting to dwindle. So I run a little theater as part of my job and our budget was cut. My colleagues were either moving into phased retirement or really nearing retirement. And I love them dearly and it was hard for me to have them retire um, and to say you know say goodbye you know it's a transition for them but it was also a transition for me and it did not look like we were going to replace them at the time Um, spoiler alert we actually never replaced them so there were less people to do more work 
and the workload already felt on the verge of too much and maybe already too much. And of course, at this time, I was also a new parent. So here I am in this workshop, and Chris is talking about abundance mindset, which in a nutshell is the belief that you have enough. So it's oftentimes described in contrast to scarcity mindset. So scarcity mindset frames things as competition with a winner and a loser. If I have this right, I believe that the concept of abundance mindset contrasted with scarcity mindset comes from Stephen Covey in his book, Seven Habits. So here I am in this professional development workshop and my provost is there and he is who makes decisions about my resources. So budgets, faculty lines, and he's sitting there and, you know, he's nodding earnestly about the value of abundance mindset and y'all I'm triggered. I'm triggered. I feel anger bubbling to the surface. I remember thinking to myself, this is like some supremely privileged white person BS. Abundance mindset seems a heck of a lot easier to inhabit it from a place of privilege. And I felt, and I'm still working through this a bit, that the entire idea of abundance mindset lacked critical thought. So like, what about power? What about privilege? What about positionality? Who gets to have abundance mindset? Okay, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. Hold on, I promise I'll get back to it. I am pretty fascinated by concepts like play and creativity. So how do you teach people the skill of creativity I believe that creativity is a learnable skill, but what is it? How do you do it? Growing up, my dad was my art teacher, which is kind of hilarious because it turns out I am pretty terrible at art. I hold my scissors upside down. And so I think that I equated creativity with artistry. And so I don't doodle well, I don't paint well, and I was like, so can I be creative? When I was working on my PhD at Louisiana State University, one of my professors, Dr. Tracy Schaefer, who is absolutely wonderful and brilliant, was talking about her experience directing a show in the Hopkins Black Books Theater, and she said, creativity emerges out of necessity. This was really interesting to me because I think that I had always thought, ooh, if I want to be creative, if I want to be inspired, I'm going to need all of the things. And so here is Dr. Schaefer talking about how she would put limitations on herself to evoke creativity. And this seems so counter to the way that I thought about creativity. I thought that creativity was this thing that would emerge if I had complete freedom, if I had all the resources, if everything was just right, then I would feel inspired. Then I would be able to work, right? This really shifted the way that I was thinking about things. And I began to think about ways that I could use this idea of creativity emerging out of necessity in my teaching. So now when I teach, I'll tell my students, for this performance, you are going to have to choose three performance challenges and I'll have 
a list of challenges that they can choose from. And these challenges are meant to put limitations on them and hopefully evoke creativity. So for example, can you include light from an unexpected source or sound in a really unique way? Can you involve your audience in your performance? You can only use one prop in your performance and that prop must become three different things. So for example, a jump rope becomes a snake, becomes a microphone. In this way, creativity is problem solving. Creativity is taking what you have and making something with it. Solving a problem. I will explain to my students, if all you can afford to eat is ramen noodle, you get really creative about what you put in your ramen. And you start to make really tasty ramen noodle. So creativity is problem solving. All right, I want to go back to that professional development workshop and me feeling salty. (laughs) So that day I asked the question, I raised my hands and I said, okay, abundance mindset is nice, but what about when scarcity is real? And I don't remember the response that I got, which is a bit of a bummer because I bet it was quite wise. I do remember leaving and feeling a little bit salty still. I had a little resistance there, but I also remember feeling a little softened, maybe cracked open. I wanted to open myself to the experience and the possibility of learning, learning from Chris, learning from my provost, learning from the group of wonderful people that were in the workshop. And I'm not sure that there was one moment that shifted me and my attitude towards abundance mindset, but probably rather a lot of journaling, praying, conversations, experiments. And I started to really see a connection between how I conceived of creativity and what I was teaching my students to do with creativity and abundance mindset. And I really value creativity. I like creativity. It's fun. I believe in it, right? So anytime I do a value card sort, Creativity is almost always in my top 10. I also take a lot of pride, you know, running this theater and we have very little, but I can make magic. I can make magic with very little. We're always joking around in the interpreter's theater that we have the art of making do down. So here I am seven, eight years later and y'all, my resources have not increased. My budget has been cut even more. I have no other colleagues running the theater with me right now. None. Zero zip. Now, I do have really amazing students that help me out. But in terms of other faculty, it's just me. And now I'm also in charge of an entire other program on top of things. Oh, yeah. And I have two kids now instead of just one. And yet, if you would ask me, I would tell you I have enough. I have enough to do what is important. I have the ability to give students my presence. I can listen. I can support. Performances are happening in the interpretive theater. Students are creating. And I can give them my time. Now, I do have boundaries around my time. And I'm okay with those boundaries because I also believe in my students. And I believe in their ability to figure out things on their own. I think that they have enough. 
So do I wish I had more? Absolutely. You bet. Do I still advocate for more? Absolutely. Do I worry that this beautiful thing that I love someday may not exist? Yes. Yes, and it pains me to go there. And I try not to sit in that space for too long because it's a hard space to move from. So what do you do when scarcity is real? Right now, it looks like we might be on the verge of a recession in the United States. So what do you do when scarcity is real? When you really don't have time because you're working multiple jobs, when you really don't have money and you're trying to scrape it from here or there and put it together to just pay your bills. The first thing that you can do is you can acknowledge that reality and you can honor it. Scarcity sometimes is real and it is hard. It's hard. And it's okay to acknowledge that it is hard. But I also want you to acknowledge what you do have. Name what you do have. If you feel like you don't have enough time, enough time with your family, sit down and mark all the times that you do have with your family. Laura Vanderkam, I'm a huge fan of her writing. She does a lot of work around time. Her most recent book is called Tranquility on Tuesday. It's really great. One of my favorite books of hers is Off the Clock. And I'm not sure which of her books she writes about this. It might be in her book, 168 Hours. She has people record their time, particularly women, and write down what they're doing when. And then she analyzes all of these different timetables. And one story in her research that really stuck with me is this story about a woman who worked a job where she would have to spend her evenings doing networking events. And she was struggling with this because she knew that having dinner together as a family was something that was really important. It was something that she wanted for herself and for her family. But given her responsibilities with her job, she didn't know how to make this happen. And so Laura Vanderkam was looking at her time log and what she noticed is that her mornings were spent with her family and that she would often have these lovely breakfasts with her children. And so Laura asked her, you know, what is it that's important about having dinner together? And she listed off all of these different things that were important about having dinner. And she was like, isn't that what you're doing at breakfast? Most people don't have breakfast time together the way that you all do. Most people are just trying to get out the door. You all have found a way to have what you consider a family dinner at breakfast. Vanderkam really has this ability to show people that there are ways that they're spending their time doing the things that are important to them. But because we have maybe cultural expectations that dinner is the place that those moments happen, we aren't recognizing that we are doing the thing that's important to us. We're just doing it at a different time than maybe culturally we would expect ourselves to. So 
So I think that it's really important to recognize and acknowledge what you do have. And you can do this through practices of gratitude. You can just sit down and name what it is that you have. I know that when you are in places of scarcity, even sitting down and noting gratitude can kind of hurt. It can feel fragile, vulnerable, overwhelming. But I do think that it helps no matter where you are, no matter what your resources are, to name what you do have. And then get in the habit of asking yourself, what can I do with what I do have? What can I do with what I have? And try to train yourself to think around this question and to spend your time here rather than in those doom spirals. In other words, you're identifying what do I have control over? And let me spend time in the place where I have control. So what can you do with what you do have? Next, try to remember that wherever you are at, it is temporary. It may not feel that way, especially if you have been in a place of real scarcity for a very long time, maybe even your entire life. But try to think of it as temporary. Have hope that there is a different future possible. When I was in high school, my family moved. And when we moved, my grandma moved with us and lived across the street from us. And So in my most angsty teenager years, my grandma was always right there. And it was really common for me to come home from school, come home from work, come home from practice or whatever I was up to, and to go immediately to my grandma's. Um, She always had little Debbies, and so I could get better snacks there. But I also loved my time with my grandma. And at a time where I did not want to talk with my parents, ugh, annoying, right? My grandma was someone that I felt like I could talk to. And whenever I would complain, she would ask me, well, how long do you have to do this for? How long is this going to stay this way? And I would be like, oh, I have to work this job all summer, grandma. And she would say, summer's three months. You can do hard things for three months. You can do anything for three months. And so she would always meet my complaints with, well, how long? And you can do anything for that long. And I find myself thinking like that still. And thinking, okay, how long do I have to do this for? I can do hard things for that long. Finally, call on your community. Together, we have so much more than we do alone. Goal setting is often presented as an individual enterprise. It's about individual achievement. We gotta flip that, folks. We gotta push against this idea. We've gotta support each other. So call on community, pool resources, time, energy, cars, tools, food. Be radically together. Be radically connected. Having an abundance mindset when you are setting goals, when you are sitting down to plan, is super helpful. So, one, when you have an abundance mindset, 
you have space to focus on only a few goals at a time. Because if you believe that you have enough time and you will get to those goals, you are able to say, hey, right now, I'm just going to focus on these three things. And it's all right because these other things that are also important to me, I will get around to it. So just because you aren't doing something right now doesn't mean that you aren't ever going to do it. And when it comes to planning, you don't try to cram it all in. You can leave space in your schedule and you believe that you will get to the things that matter. Maybe not all today, but you will get to it. Finally, you don't need everything to be perfect in order to act. And an abundance mindset believes this, right? So you don't need the perfect tennis shoes to start exercising. You don't need the little tubs to start meal planning, the newest app to start planning. You have mastered the art of making do, and you can make do with what you have. I've always been really interested in how people are doing it for themselves. How are people that have very few resources solving problems? And so one of my areas of study is water and sanitation. I became really interested during my doctoral work in the 2.5 billion people that don't have access to clean water or sanitation. So that many people in our world do not have access to a clean toilet to use on a regular basis. And as I was studying this, I wanted to find places where people had solved the problem and ideally where they had figured it out on their own. And I came across a community of urban poor outside of Mumbai, and they had very cleverly found ways to advocate for the rights to build latrines. They found all of the materials, figured out how to build it, and then were maintaining it. And this was really impressive because in that same area, NGOs had come into that area and had built some latrines, and they were not successful. People weren't using them, or if people were using them, they hadn't really planned a way for them to keep them up, and they were nasty. And then no one wants to use a nasty latrine. I'd rather go outside, right? It feels cleaner to folks. And so I became really interested in this community, and some of their advice to other people was so lovely. Uh, one of the pieces of advice that they offered was paint beautiful pictures that when you're requesting resources from other people, that you paint a beautiful picture of what your community could look like. People, you know, I was really inspired by this, but I also want to have an abundance mindset when I think about other people. That I see other people as having the intellect, the skills, the capability to do the things that they need to do. And that changes our relationship with people too. That like, I can see that people have the ability to do the things they really need. And that kind of moves me out of this. I'm a helper. I like to help. And it moves me out of this like savior complex that I could fall into by saying, hey, no, there are people and they're doing it for themselves and you need to respect that and you have something to learn from them. So beautiful things emerge out of necessity. Creativity emerges out of necessity, out of our limitations. And that doesn't always feel easy. And it's not always fun, but it is possible and it is empowering to recognize what you do have and the possibilities of making with what you do have. For many of us, 
we may not be looking at scarcity the same way that my participants in India were experiencing scarcity. So scarcity feels and looks different for each of us. Someone can have quite a lot and still feel scarcity. So I want to give you permission that wherever you are at, whatever your resources look like, to recognize the possibility of making with what you do have. I'm going to share a little story with you that is very, very different than what my participants were dealing with in Mumbai, but is a very small example of how in my home we try to have an abundance mindset. We didn't have clean dishes and toothpick night was born. So we have this fun little tradition that we do where every once in a while we will eat everything with toothpicks. And my kids love it and I kind of love it. And I could look at this and I could see this as my own failing. But instead, I sort of see this. We had a problem. We didn't have anything to eat with. And I didn't want to do the dishes. And so we ate with toothpicks. And y'all, it was delightful. And it was fun. And we made it fun. Um, during the height of COVID, our family decided to not go out to public places like trampoline parks with our kids. And so we spent a lot of time at outdoor parks, on trails, riding our bikes, and learning to love our very own backyard. And we had to look up activities and come up with games and find ways to make it work where we were because at the time we were concerned about our own health and we were concerned about our family's health and we were concerned about public health. And so we made it work and we found a lot of joy and a lot of beauty in those moments. So abundance mindset does not fit scarcity. Scarcity is real and it is hard. And like I said, it looks like a recession could be on the horizon. And for some, it already is and it already has been here. And that is hard. And I give you permission to mark that hardness, to wallow in it. But don't make your moves from that space. Make your moves, make your decisions, act from a space of abundance. And then I want you to give yourself permission to make with whatever you do have to find possibility there. It is February. Welcome, February. It is Black History Month, and I think that we must acknowledge how our structures uphold scarcity for some more than others. So if you are feeling salty with me right now because you are sitting in scarcity and it is real, I see you. Looking back on the professional development workshop that I went to that had me so annoyed with the concept of abundance mindset. I don't think that Chris or my provost were suggesting that my scarcity wasn't real, nor do I think that they were asking me to be complacent. You can have abundance mindset and still advocate for yourself and for what you need. In fact, I think that if you are in an abundance mindset, you're able to advocate for yourself more clearly and oftentimes in a more, from a more generous place. And I think that you should advocate for yourself. Um, and if you find yourself getting salty, if you find yourself getting angry, anger is such a powerful and important emotion. I find that anger is my body's way of telling me to get clear about something. So if you don't know what it is that you think is important or what matters in your life, notice the moments that you get angry because anger produces clarity. Most of the time, 
when you are angry, it is because there is something in front of you that is wildly important to you. It's asking you to mark what was important to you. So take stock of how you're using your energy. And if your energy is being spent on worrying instead of problem solving, it might be time for a shift. If you see everyone around you as competition rather than collaborators, it might be time for a shift. If other people's successes make you salty, it's time for a change. Because, y'all, I don't want to be bitter. There's this song that me and my best friend in high school would listen to, and the lyrics were something along the lines of, I don't want to get bitter. I don't want to turn cruel. I don't want to get old before I have to. And y'all, I might be 40, but I am I'm not getting bitter. Um, so if you are salty, just notice that saltiness and ask yourself, what is it that's important right now? I think that I'm, I'm begging for a moment of clarity. And that's what the anger is trying to do is to guide me towards that. I wish for you creativity. I wish for you the ability to make do with what you have to problem solve, the ability to mark and give gratitude for what is there. That over time, even if resources dwindle, that you have confidence in yourself and in your community to make what is important grow. If this podcast has inspired you, guided you, or just made you laugh, the number one way that you can thank me is by leaving a written review for the show over on Apple Podcasts. I'm seriously tickled every time that I hear from you all. So pop onto Instagram and follow Plan Go Plan and digital message me. I want to say hello. I want to geek out about all things planning and goal setting. Keep sensing the possibilities, y'all.